It might not be surprising to find many Christians today struggling with wanting to know God's will for their lives. Precisely because how the phrase the will of God is used by preachers, only lends a dimension of mystery to it, as something that can only be comprehended at some future time, and in retrospect. Indeed, some prominent preachers today, mostly non-charismatics, believe it is unscriptural to say that one has been led by the Holy Spirit to do this, or to say this, because this would imply to its hearer, the recipient of such message or action, that such announcement is the will of God for them. Discussing about how to hear the voice of God is not the subject of this treatise, but this intends only to allow the believer an understanding, and therefore, grant the ability to act on God's will as it is presented to them by God. I would propose that there are two words in the Bible that would seem to be synonymous, but are actually not, and yet, can be interchanged, depending on the situation at hand. These words are the will and purpose of God. These pair of words appear only once together in one verse, in the context of this discussion, and that is our text in Ephesians 1:11, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, Ephesians 1:11. Interestingly, there is another pair of words that are similar, but also different in meaning. These are way and path. They occur together in 41 places in the Bible, twice in the New Testament, and if you look at them in a cursory manner, it is easy to miss the distinction. So let me point it out to you, because by differentiating them from each other, we will also be able to make the distinction between God's will and purpose. Two sides of the same coin. I propose the definition of the way of God as the general direction or conduct we are to take in life, as we live as born-again Christians. The way of God is therefore, essentially, Christian living. Just as we may know how to get to a certain address in the city starting from our current location, so we could say that we know the way to it. But the path, is the step-by-step -step treading one takes towards that place. Now we know that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That would be the way. But how we proceed in going there might be actually zigzagging, or curving, or spiral, moving towards, or even seemingly veer away from the endpoint. This course might be necessary because of obstructions in the way that we need to avoid. In the natural, that is on earth, it is usually impossible to travel on a straight line from point A to point B, especially if the distance between them is far. And so we can also picture the course of water on a river as it flows from the mountain towards the ocean. Although it flows downwards, its way, it meanders and weaves around bends and obstacles. In our spiritual walk, as we flow down this river, sometimes we meet obstacles that are placed there by other people, or circumstances. Sometimes it is we ourselves that throw these obstacles in the way, as when we resist God's direction and leading. But just as the water in the river, it will either swerve around the boulder, or if necessary, pass over it as it builds up volume and the water level rises high enough to go over this boulder. Although our daily lives tend to become routinery, God is able to tweak circumstances, such that each experience would be new learning experiences, and become opportunities to grow in faith and trust in Him. So because these paths God leads us into are oftentimes new, even if it occurring in a routinery or familiar setting, it is in traveling these paths where we learn from God. The way is already known to us, because Jesus said, I'm the way. The moment a person repents of his sins and accepts Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, he receives eternal life, and that born-again person is on the way to actualizing his eternal life in eternity. He is guided on the way by the truth of the Word of God. The Holy Ghost comforts him, gives him joy and peace, and gives him the power to understand spiritual truths, so that the life of Jesus Christ slowly manifests in his own life, as the Word becomes flesh in him. His paths, are something or the place where he teaches us his lessons. As we learn our lessons in the path, our understanding of the way also increases. 
It is in the paths where we stumble, where we fall, get scratches, get contusions, even be seriously injured, sometimes for life. If you remember Paul, he also earned his thorn in the flesh as he was traveling his personal path of apostleship, something which might have stayed with him for the rest of his life. But it is also in these paths where we understand the enabling power of God's grace, and of its sufficiency. It is in the path where we face persecutions. The tests and temptations which we formerly ignored and just happily succumbed to, now take on new dimensions and shapes, and become struggles that we find can only be overcome with the help of God, and His grace. These are the impetus that tempts many Christians to just raise their hands up frustration, and throw in the towel. But we need to remember that God has littered our path with precious lessons, and we cannot move ahead on the path successfully if we don't pick up these lessons and make them part of our understanding of the way. Therefore, those who refuse to be taught of God are the ones that become casualties alongside the road. Guard yourself always against unteachableness. Now, let's go back to the will of God and the purpose of God. The ultimate purpose of God in salvation is to bring people into His kingdom. Period. However, there are smaller purposes that are accomplished as we go through each day in obedience. So we need to unpack the will of God, and it is in this. The will of God is for His children to honor, glorify Him in each day and each moment that is presented before us. God expects us to take each moment as a way of demonstrating our obedience to Him, because it is only when we obey Him that He is glorified or honored. He is dishonored in rebellion. Just as those who rebel against the established president or authority of the land are not honoring the authority of the land, so also disobedience to God dishonors him. So one may ask, obey what? Jesus summed up the law this way, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Mark 12 30-31 let me put it this way. Loving God is only demonstrated by loving other people as ourselves, firstly other believers. So how do we obey this? Do good to people. Be more respectful of others, be more kind than one already is. Be more helpful, be more generous, sharing our blessings with other believers more and not hoarding the blessings to ourselves. Do we need to go out of our way to do this? Unless God has called you to some specific mission to some foreign land, you are probably just like the other Christians whom God has called, to shine and bring light in the places where He has saved you. Trees grow best where they're planted. So don't seek to be transplanted someplace where God has not appointed you. God presents us each day with doables. Unless God has called you to be a missionary or an evangelist, don't punish yourself with the big picture of the souls that need to hear Christ, or you will always feel guilty each day with the thought that you failed God by not sharing the gospel or not having led someone to Christ each day. You might not be the mouth to proclaim the gospel, but you might be the hand that gives help, encouragement, comfort, taps the shoulders of others, offering them assurance or comfort with the comfort or assurance you've received from God. The will of God is for us to do good to our neighbors. That is the path we must take as we head along the way. The will of God is the path of love. James says in James 4:17, Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him, it is sin. As I said earlier, there are smaller purposes that are accomplished along the path or will of God. And as each purpose is accomplished, it is also possible that that point becomes another will that will lead to another purpose. Meaning, after obeying the will of God in a certain situation, his purpose is accomplished. But then, that new position can turn into another will, which will serve another purpose. To make this clearer, we need an illustration. Let's recall that story of a Christian man who was discussing with others in church about how God still speaks to his people today. As he leaves for home, the exchanges from that conversation kept echoing through his mind and kept him intrigued. 
but as he was driving home, he felt an impulse to buy a gallon of milk. At first, he wondered if that was from God or not, but decided to obey this impulse, and stopped at the grocery, thinking that if this was not from God, he would still be able to use the milk, anyway. Proceeding on his way home, he again felt an impulse to turn at a certain corner, and finally to stop at a certain point along a row of apartments. It was dark, but he didn't feel alarmed. Then he had the thought to take the gallon of milk to the house on the opposite side of the road. He became really nervous at this, because he could be getting into trouble. But he said, if this is really you, God, I'm obeying you. He gets to the door, knocks, and a man opens it. He hands the gallon of milk to the man, whose jaws drop, grabs the milk, runs into the kitchen and he hears excited yelling from inside. The man comes back with tears in his eyes, and tells him that they had ran out of money after paying the rent, and had nothing to feed their baby. So he prayed, and then the milk came. The wife yells from the inside the kitchen, he prayed that God would send an angel to bring the milk. Are you an angel? At this point the Christian could not hold back his tears, and he reaches inside his pocket and gives the man all the cash he had, and walks away. Okay. I got that story from the internet, and it's supposed to be true. But it's a good illustration of the difference between will and purpose, and how purpose transforms into another will, to fulfill another purpose, and so on, and so forth. So let's examine the first will of God in this story. 1. It was God's will for the man to join this conversation about God still speaking to his people today. God's purpose in this meeting was to stir up in the man's heart this wonderful truth. 2. After this purpose was accomplished, it became his will to open up and be attentive to the Holy Spirit, and he hears God telling him to buy a gallon of milk, achieving God's purpose of making him hear his voice or prompting of the Holy Ghost. 3. After he buys the milk, God's purpose of testing his obedience was achieved. What to do with the milk was the second exercise of his will, after God led him to the door, God's purpose of creating compassion on the man was attained, and he went home that evening fully convinced that God still speaks to his people. You can actually draw up some more wills and purposes from that story yourself, but you get the point. Our second text in Jeremiah 36.3 also illustrates this will metamorphing into purpose, and the purpose turning into a will for yet another purpose. Look at it, and see if you can make it out by yourself. Here's that verse, It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Did you see it? The first will is for Judah to hear the warning, the purpose which was to bring them to repentance. This repentance became God's will for them, for the purpose of having their iniquity and sin forgiven. Take a deep breathe and grit your teeth. Now that we know that the will of God is also the path we must take each day, we need to appropriate God's grace and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us through each moment and each day. Sadly, some people teach that we cannot know if what we are hearing is really God or just ourselves. In the case of the man in our story, that is true. But, this is only because this was his first time at obeying the Holy Spirit's prompting, or his small, still voice. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold, and one shepherd. John 10 14-16. Take note, he said, they shall hear my voice, and am known of mine. When a believer sets his heart of obeying God, and exercises his spiritual ears at hearing and obeying God, he can be sure about any circumstances being God's will for him at the moment. Remember I said the path of God is usually one of suffering. So one may ask, if God's will for me is this easy, where will the persecutions, tests, trials and temptations come from? Well, my answer is, they will surely come if you are consistent with showing the love of God to others. 
If you are truly bent on walking on his path, and obeying his will, you can be sure of resistance, both from within and without. But because you've already developed your spiritual ears to his voice, you will remain at peace and have his assurance in your spirit, that he will help you obey him. Remember, further that this keenness or sharpness of hearing has to be practiced daily, and honed by obedience each time he speaks. If all you want is to hear without intending to obey, the Holy Spirit won't waste his time with you. First, this one. Can we know God's will? Sure. We just ask ourselves, in the light of scripture and who God is in our lives, what good can I do right now? That is God's will for you for the moment. Don't worry about finding out the purpose. That is the one you will understand later, but first obey this first one. I struggled for so many years about what the will of God was for my life. This was primarily because of hearing so many voices of what I should be doing or what should I become. Looking back through all that time confirmed that indeed God had been speaking to me. I believe it is his desire to speak to each of his children in a personal, even intimate way. But first, our hearts must be inclined to hear his voice, and our wills bent to obey him and to take his path. There have been paths that were blissful, my mountaintop experiences, from which I hoped would last longer, but looking back over decades of being a Christian, a lot of these paths were laden with hardships, losses, tests and temptations, but they were also very rich with lessons that made me know God more, and made me trust him more. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. If you consider the length of that line as your lifetime on earth, you get what I'm hinting at. It's the quickest way of accomplishing our God-ordained life purpose, and to be with the Lord, forever. May we all align the paths we take on that narrow road that leads to life everlasting. Maranatha. Come soon, Lord Jesus.